Greetings to all of those that are watching us on the internet. It's a wonderful, wonderful privilege to be back here in the family. And I want to thank you for that privilege to be back here. I say Cornerstone is family. And when they're going to start treating me like a guest, I wouldn't know how to act. So for me, it's a wonderful joy to be back here. And um, I'm coming from Papua. That's where we are based. And just before I'm going to come to the Word of God, I want to say to you that, you know what, people? We can make a difference in life by starting small. Never despise the small things. And it's actually because of the small things that, that we started to where we are today. Now, I, I want to show you a quick video, and I want to show you a video that started with three children. Now, I'm not going to show that. We're going to show, actually, the integrated farm video, but it started for me with three children. Three children that held on to a fence. And our fence, actually, in Papua, the children were not at school. Now, that's one thing we need to understand. Not every country has the privilege that Singapore has. We have got still up to 65% of illiteracy in Papua. So we started with that. Children that has no opportunity. Children that cannot go. You know, through COVID, they say, well, just study online. Excuse me, where must they find it? Where will they get it? And we can laugh about it, but the fact is that's reality. And we lose a generation. We lose a generation of interest and development because there is not the facilities. So either we're going to step into the gap and help to fill that gap, or we will just look at it and say, oh, well, that doesn't touch me because that doesn't touch my family or touch where we are. I'm quickly going to show you, just before we actually go, i like to show you, uh, uh, media team, if you get ready the, the, the video about the children, and then we will go later maybe. And I will say to you this, that in our team, our, pop, our team in Papua, in Manakwari, where we are based, is going every day of the week out into the community to fill a gap. To me, that's Christianity. To me, it's not ministry. To me, it's being Christ-like. And so we go out and we go and teach these children mathematics, reading, writing, the Word of God, of course, the Bible. And we make very sure that within our work, there's an absolute balance between the Word of God and education. Because if you only have education, you create a very intelligent monster. And if you only have the heart and the Word of God, you might create people who love the Lord, but they are not becoming leaders. But if you combine education and the Word of God, you create overcomers. Come and say amen. And so we started going out from three children where we are at the moment having 1,884 children we teach every month into the things of God. Children that has, don't you dare clapping for me. Clap for the Holy Spirit, go ahead. And we see actually the amazing thing there of the children who actually, they develop, they would come in pouring rain just to hear or just to learn. So in our center, twice a week, the place is that full that I'm hiding on my balcony. Because we've got children everywhere 
of all ages because we believe in the next generation. Now I can carry on telling you all about this, of children's life being changed, of us going every day of the week. We go into the hotspot of Manakwari. Manakwari has its own gangs, two gangs actually. And the most terrible, difficult area of Manakwari is that I have taken as my goal. And as we go in there, in the beginning, when we talk to them about doing children's work, these Papuans look at us like, what do you want here? Who are you? We've had so many promises. We've had so many people talking to us about helping, coming and help us. Who are you? Well, I have no problem to confront for Jesus' sake. I might just be a woman, and I thoroughly enjoy being a woman. But challenge me in Jesus, and you meet with the Lion of Judah. Come and say Amen. And so they challenged me in Jesus. <laughs> I have no problem to roar for Jesus Christ. And so I challenged them. And, I, and as we were talking, because they are gang leaders, they control the young generation. They are the place where our students at the moment, where we are training them in the, in the prisons, where I'm going in myself, we're going in twice a, week, a month into the prisons, training those youngsters that are thrown in prison because they didn't have education. And they got into the wrong crowds. And they belonged to the gang. So I confront the gang leaders. It's that simple. <laughs> I like it. Hallelujah. So we went into this area. We had 45 children that come on a Saturday. I am joyful to tell you now that we have seven areas of that incredible hotspot and in that red light district where we train 444 children. It's weak. Would you clap now for the Holy Spirit? But because of that, I want to reach right back from those children into the past. And I want to go into the past of Papua where we are dealing with the inland people, the original Papuan people. I'm not talking of the city. I'm talking of those men and women that has now grown up, that didn't have that opportunity that we are giving those children now. And we're going to people that, people that are rejected, people that didn't know how to do mathematics, people that didn't know. We taught them how to brush their teeth. We taught them how to cook in some places. We taught them how to shower in some places. That we reach back into a needy nation that has been rejected and that I made my call and going to them and we've gone to this one area which is actually known as the witchcraft area because the most notorious witch doctor of Papua lived in that area and it all his students there learning witchcraft and that's where we went and one of my workers at that time went and preached the gospel to him he gave his life to Jesus got born again his house for the witch doctor became the prayer network place would you clap for the Lord and then I had a problem because he got born again. He decided he better bring all his students. I had more witch doctors that come to learn about Jesus and getting born again that I know what to do with. And so we had village after village after village coming to God. And you talk about revival. What is revival? Revival is that where Christ become alive in people's lives. And so they would go out and whole villages would come to God. Whole areas would come to God. And they start praying people. And the whole place shake. And the, tree, and the pictures fall off the wall. And they don't even know that they are in the book of Acts. 
and a man get carried in who is dead. And they look at each other and they said, well, the mother is not here, which is me. And the team is not here and LPC is not here. We better start praying the way they taught us. They start praying and God raised the dead. Just like that, I interviewed the man myself. That is revival. But you go to those places and you see a people that sit on their own ground and starve because they don't know how to work their own land. So we started this absolute program that nobody has ever done before. Nothing new for Suzette. <laughs> would be boring if somebody has done it before, to be honest. And uh, so we started pioneering this work. And so we started this balance between training spiritual farmers and training people spiritually in the Word of God. And we went to the area where everybody said to me, you waste your time. The most rockiest area of the place, the place where the witch doctors come from. I'd like you to look at the video of the integrated farm. forgotten by society. They never learned mathematics. They never thought that they could be entrepreneurs. They never thought that God could help them to work their own land because nobody ever taught them. Subsai, the forgotten area of Managwari. So they trusted us. And they start going out and they start clearing the land. That was plain jungle where we started. And we start clearing the area and we work with, with three uh, villages. And the people didn't know, they didn't believe that anybody would care for them, not even God. And we start opening up the place for them. And we start teaching them simple farming forms and ways. And I work with a, another nonprofit organization who refused to have the spiritual side. And I said, let's get this clear. We pay it, we'll have it this way. We will teach them in the morning about Jesus. In the afternoon, they learn agriculture and they became entrepreneurs and they start selling their own vegetables and they start selling to the community and they start believing that God care and they can care for each other and they don't need the help from outside because they learn to take care of themselves. This is the area where the witch doctors come from. And this is now an area which we have a building which now is at this time being built for the next integrated farm. An integrated farm where they learn how to integrate farming and how to integrate fishery and, 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 yeah, and pigs and cows and how to use the water for plants. Even we're going to teach them simple, very simple hydrophonics, how they can build hydrophonics with bamboo so that they can learn to be entrepreneurs in their own villages.
this is a farm in Jakarta where we will take the students. Now we took to the next generation. We took the university, second year university students, and this will be copied into Papua. This is a man of God. He started with helping his own church. He said, come and learn. Bring your students, bring your people. We take second year university students to go and learn. University students, second year, some of them cannot read nor write. And they will learn how to deal with fishery, how to eventually become entrepreneurs, to sell what they have. At this very moment, that's one of the integrated farms in Manukwari. At the moment, I have got 28 university students in the Love Papua Center learning agriculture and spiritual about Jesus. They arrive at our place without Bibles, without Jesus. They got born again. That's the Love Papua Center, by the way. We reach into our community. We go to a place where people didn't believe that God could break through. I'm the tallest, I'm the whitest, easy to see. At this very moment, we are building out there a place so that the students has a place to learn. That's already some of the students from Sorong that came to studying right now in the Love Papua Center. That man is an autist. When he arrived, he was autistic. He feared everybody, everything. Jesus Christ came into his life. In four weeks time, this man is changed and healed. sharing the vision with the people in the community because it's never been done before. So now our program is accepted as a university recognized curriculum for students, second year agricultural students of all groups uh, for the Papua people. They asked me if they could send in people of different faiths and I said no. I nothing, have nothing against other faiths, but the Love Papua Center is a house of God. It was built for a house of God. It is the Love Papua Center. thank you today for your mercy and your grace. It truly is all about you, Jesus. And it's our privilege to focus on you and give you glory for what you are doing, Father. In the wonderful name of Jesus. Amen. You know, I'm in a house that I count family. 
Pastor and uh, Pastor Daphne has adopted me like a friend, like family, which I'm very thankful for. Now, you can have speakers like myself and many others and you that are listening on the internet. You might know great ministries, great names. But for me, it was always, don't tell me about your ministry. Don't tell me about the signs, wonders and miracles because we can do that all. We can tell about tumors that disappear and blind eyes that open and deaf that speak. That's normal. That's the healing, people, healing is as natural as breathing. But that's the Holy Spirit. That's the work of God. I once asked Reinhard Bonke, I said, Reinhard, that's my spiritual dad. And I said to him, Reinhard, don't talk to me about the Reinhard Bonke on the stage, him I know. The Reinhard Bonke preaching the evangelist, that we know, we know him. We prayed for him, we worked with him. I said, talk to me about the Reinhard Bonke off the stage. Talk to me about your prayer life when it's just you and Jesus. You know what was his answer? He, he called me his wild daughter. I think he had a point. But he tapped me on the shoulder like that and he says, my wild daughter, that's what he called me, that's what he, he, he used to call me. He said, these knees bow before the Lord Jesus in humility. That says it all. That says it all. And sometimes when I listen to many speakers and I listen to these wonderful messages and it's all great and wonderful, I want to stop them and say, all right, that's all great and wonderful what the Holy Spirit has given you as a revelation. Now talk to me when it's just you and no lights and no microphones and nobody around. What does your Christ-like life look like then? Because that's the real you. That's why the Bible says in Matthew chapter 6, go into, your, go into your bedroom and your father that sees in secret will reveal in the open. And many times for speakers like myself, that's 45 years on the road already for Jesus, it's almost like many times people look at us and look at ministries like ours that has gone across the world into 68 nations. And they, they look at that and they say, well, you know what? That's great ministry. And it's almost like that's the ministry and that's the prayer life. It's almost like, you know what? That's the power of God and that's the revival and that's the breakthrough. And now let's pray. It's exactly the other way around. It is let's pray. Let's come before God. Let's break through in the spirit and then let's go to the ministry. That's really where it's at. So I want to take you this morning actually into one of the secrets of my own life. And now you think I'm going to preach on prayer. You are wrong. <laughs> I like it when you're wrong. I'm not going to preach on prayer this morning. I want to take you this morning to what has marked Suzette Hutton for 45 years and kept the fire in me burning. And everybody think that would be the signs, the wonders, the miracles, the crusades, the prayer schools, any of that, and that's not so. I want to take you with me this morning and I want to walk with you into the Garden of Eden. And I want you to walk in there with me because now, after the second Adam died and rose from the dead, that angel with his flaming sword that guarded the Garden of Eden is gone. And we are back, we are taken back to that original place of what Christ has been made the way of for us in the Garden of Eden. Actually, our life is restored right back to Genesis. What do you mean with that? 
excuse me, I apologize. When we look at the garden of Eden, that is where God put man. He gave him authority right there. He gave him a task. We talked about that last night. And he told him to rule and to reign and to multiply. That was the task that God gave Adam and Eve. What was God doing? God was copying heaven on earth to multiply heaven on earth. That's why Jesus said, as it is in heaven, so be it on earth. You're not made for heaven. You're made for earth to reign and to rule. Heaven is only a bonus. Let's get that right. (laughs) So here we are. And God gave them authority to reign and to multiply. That was their job. Their job that God gave them was to rule and to reign and to to multiply. In other words, to, to copy heaven on earth. And then what was they to do? That's why in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9, and I have not asked media to put that up for us. I'll come later to what I asked him for. But in Genesis 2, verse 9, it says, And out of the ground the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant in the sight of good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. Now, I have asked media to get for me a picture. And I would like you to put up that picture for me, please. If you've got it, uh, the tree of... Uh, I'm going to send those guys a chocolate. They are so jelly good. There you've got the tree of good and evil as in the garden. And we see here, if we start explaining that actually our lives is still at those two trees. We still live at those two trees. You and I that are New Testament believers today, filled with the Holy Spirit, washed in the blood of Jesus, is right back actually to the Garden of Eden. And when we look at that, we see that they said, what did Satan come and say to them? If you eat of that tree, you will be wise like God. But they were already like God. They already looked like God. They already had what God had. They didn't need anything more. They were already like him. Adam was perfect. He looked like God, act like God, sound like God, move like God. They were like God. They were the image of God on earth. Isn't that right? So Satan come and tells them, you need something more. You need something more. And you know what, people? I have come to the understanding. I do believe in revival, but I believe that we wait for something when actually these signs will follow those that believe. It doesn't run ahead of us. I could wait for a revival in Papua and sit and pray in Germany for hours in a prayer room, or I can get moving in Papua and believe God to multiply it. And to me, that is, that is breaking open ground. That is revival. No, I don't see thousands of Papuan children yet born again, but I do see 1,884 children being born again. Come on, say amen. And so we start and we see that God actually told Adam and Eve to multiply. And for you and for me, we can wait for something more. We can act, oh God, give me more of your spirit. Let me tell you something. God has given you everything he ever wanted to give you. Start moving with what you've got. And God will multiply it. So as Adam and Eve actually was right there in the image of God, Satan knew that he had to destroy that. 
And sometimes you and I are in a place like that. And I want to talk to you today as a woman of God that has walked the nations. For me, the secret is not to want to, I have more. I remember for years I fasted and prayed, Lord, give me more of your Holy Spirit. Give me more of your Holy Spirit. Oh God, one day the Holy Spirit said to me, Suzette, you offend me. I said, God, how can I offend you if my whole life belonged to you? And the Lord said, I am the same yesterday, today, and forever. The Holy Spirit is not power, more power, all power. The Holy Spirit is always at His highest power. So I don't think we need more of the Holy Spirit because He is not power, more power, all power. He is always, there is no shadow of turning with Him. So I start changing my prayer. I start saying, God, teach me how to work with the Holy Spirit. Teach me how to be more adaptable. Teach me how to be more sensitive. Teach me more how to work with the Holy Spirit. Teach me how to start acting with you, Lord. Teach me, teach me how, on my side, how to enlarge so that I can walk with the capacity of the Holy Spirit. And it changed my life. And so we see here that Jesus, we wait for something, but actually Jesus already said, I have given you authority to trample upon scorpions. So what more do you wait for? <laughs> Don't look at me like that. Say to your neighbor, she's got the point. You are already heirs. You already inherited heaven, people. It's not that you need more from heaven. You are already an heir. It's already yours. I gave you the Holy Spirit to lead you into all truth. So when the Spirit of truth has come, He will guide you into all truth. You already have the capacity of the Holy Spirit. Whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. What are you waiting for? Go into all the world. I'm with you. Drive out demons. Heal the sick. But we always look for something more. The very demon, the very Lucifer that told Eve, you can have more, is the same one that tell you, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> excuse me, you need more. I need only one thing more. I need to be more flexible and obedient to the Holy Spirit. That's what we need. And so we see here that actually Satan very cleverly, very cleverly came and damaged the image of Adam and Eve because that's the only way how he can change that which they have. He could not change their authority. He could not change who they are because God already was on their side. So what did he have to do? He had to damage their image. That's why Christ had to come because only an image can restore an image. So if I would take this, this mirror and I would hold it up to you, and what would you see? If I hold it up there, I see a woman, old age, don't worry. But this is what we have. And this is, you see an image, you see a reflection. Adam and Eve was the reflection of heaven. Adam and Eve was the reflection of God. So Satan had to stop the reflection to stop the authority. And it's still the same today. 
Satan has to try to damage your image and your reflection to stop because Christ already said, I have given you authority to trample upon scorpions. He already said, I gave you the Holy Spirit. He already said, I gave you the keys. He already said, I am with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. He already gave you the the helmet of salvation and the breastplate of righteousness. He already said, I have overcome. He already said it. So what must Satan do to stop you? He has to stop your image. And how does he do that? He came with a very clever way. Because if we have the right image, there's nothing that can stop us. So Satan came, and so, compliments to the hotel. He came and he damaged that image. He had to tar that image. He had to put up something that can block that reflection. And so what did he do? He came with sin, you need more. And so he damaged that image. And so what did he do? He damaged that image on more. And he said, I will have to give you something. Excuse me. Can't get it open. Yeah. And Satan come and he says, The only way I can stop you is by tarring your image. That's the only way I must stop your reflection. I must stop that which is your authority. I have to tell you, you need more. You need more. You need this. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're a liar. I told you yesterday that the day in the womb of your mother, you were the sperm that already was the one that conceived that egg. You are already an overcomer. But Satan keep on telling, you need more. You're not good enough. You're not worthy. You're not capable. You need this. You need that. You need this. You need that. Just like he said it to Eve. And that's why we don't move. That's why Christ had to come. But Suzette, I am born again. I am spirit-filled. I am washed in the blood of the Lamb. I am not. Jesus washed my sin away already. And so Satan says, all right, okay, I agree with that. So let's give them then a religious spirit. Ouch. And he gives them this religious look. It's not black anymore, it's white. And that's the point. So one of the things that has utterly and completely changed my life was not my preaching, was not the intercession, was not the signs, not the miracles. It was the understanding that I don't need more. I just need more yielding. Come on, say amen. And I quickly want to move on. And I want to take you to one of the greatest things that has absolutely revolutionized my life. From the beginning, God planned the two trees in the garden. Can I have the picture up again, please? And we see that God planned those two trees just like the beginning. And that was planned by God Almighty. 
the tree of life, which is Christ Himself, which is God Almighty, was planted there from the beginning. And then the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. I want to point out to you the knowledge of good and evil. Actually, another translation say, you, Satan said to her, you will have the wisdom. So let's look at that word wisdom this morning. And I want to point out to you that one of the greatest things in my life that kept me going on the things of God was not the ministry. It was not the traveling. It was not even my prayer life. It is not even the signs, wonders, and miracles. The greatest thing in my life that has kept the fire and kept me going for 45 years by the grace of God without a shadow over my name or without a scandal over my name in conduct, in money, in people or anything was the fear of God. It was the fear of God that's to me the greatest of all. Because out of the fear of God, when nobody sees, when nobody's there, when there's no light, when there's no, no microphone, when there's no cameras, when there are no people, that is where the true Christianity is lived. And out of that comes the flow of the ministry. So if you ask me, what is the greatest thing in my life? Would you please put up for me uh, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10? That to me is the basis of the greatest key in Suzette Houghton's life. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. Now let's just look for one minute about the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord became that, which is not only the beginning of wisdom for me. What is the fear of the Lord? The fear of the Lord is the awareness that you are before God all the time. That's the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord is being aware that you are part of a heavenly realm. The fear of the Lord is being aware that you are in front of the cloud of witnesses. So my life became God-focused and not people-focused. My life became, how do I live before the Lord 24 out of the 24 hours? That included my prayer life. That included my ministry. That included, included every aspect of my life. It was that I am before the Lord and that it's before the Lord that I live and not the people around me and not trying to impress anybody or not trying to do anything or please anybody, but that it's before the Lord. And so that became tree of good and evil in my life. The word fear in the Hebrew is actually a wonderful word. The fear of the Lord in Hebrew is actually to respect or to follow or to worship, to be aware of it. It's much more than just being back like, oh, well, now I just, you know, I don't do that because it's not pleasing God. No, the fear of the Lord is your worship life. The fear of the Lord is your prayer life. The fear of the Lord is your conduct. The fear of the Lord is your testimony. The fear of the Lord is the awareness that you are before God 24 out of the 24 hours. And it actually started with me when I was a very young missionary. 
I was still very, very young in Jesus, and we all live in faith. And at that time, I did not even have money to buy toothpaste, to be honest. And I didn't have money to buy stockings. And so I was preaching out, and I was just, just beginning, just, I mean, I'm, I'm talking now here of 1981. And uh, that's when I was still young, don't you dare thinking anything else. <laughs> and, <coughs> excuse me, and... And I was invited to go and preach at the conference. And although it was my own private time, excuse me, fear not, it's only water. <laughs> and um, as I was there preaching at the conference, uh, they took up an offering, a love offering for Christ for Nations. And it was big money at that time. And so I brought all that money back and I put it in my caravan and I was to take it the Monday morning to the accountants to give that money to CFAN because it was given for the ministry. And I really had no money. We still live in faith. And, uh, and I said, Lord, I don't have money for toothpaste. I don't even have money to buy a new pair of stockings. Lord, I'm just going to take a little bit of this money, which would be the equivalent maybe of about $5. And uh, I'm just going to buy some toothpaste with this. And when I have money again, I will put it back. And so I took the rest of the money and I walked about three trees on my way to the office to give that money to the accountant and the fear of God came upon me. And I realized that I'm like Aiken. I'm taking God's money. I run back. I thought I was going to drop dead. I run back. I threw that money down on my bed as if it was something that was going to bite me. And I fell on my face and I repented. And I said, Jesus, please, I will never do this again. Please help me. Please forgive me. And I took all that money and I took it and I go and gave it right there to Sifan. And I said, God, I will never, ever, ever do something like this again. And I got into a deal with God that I live until today. I said, God, this is the deal. And unless anybody says this is for you personally, I will never take an offering. But not only that, I got into a competition with God. Sometimes he won and sometimes I win. <laughs> and what is this competition with God? As fast as God gives me money, as fast am I giving away. And as fast as I give away, God give back. And so we got into this for 45 years. So yesterday morning, we are in this competition, me and God, and that's us. I give as fast as I can, and then we see how God is giving back. And then I give again, and that became a wonderful way of living in the fear of the Lord, touching nothing that belongs to God. And yesterday morning, I took $50, and I gave it to the cleaner lady. I gave her the flowers, I gave her everything, and I took $50, and I through that telephone, I said, this is for you. And she burst out crying. And last night here, a young couple woke up to me, and they said, while you preach, the Lord told us to give you $50. I said, he won again. <laughs> the fear of the Lord. I want to move on quickly. We walk back to, the, to those trees. You and I live at that tree. You and I are right back at those trees. Please put it up for me again. Thank you. You and I are still in the Garden of Eden because Christ had restored us there. Christ, through His authority, has restored us to the original plan of Adam and Eve. Now, we like to preach it. How about living it? We are still standing every day of our life at these two trees with the same Lucifer that tempted Eve is tempting us. And what does these trees look like today? 
What does it mean in our life? What does the trees of good and evil mean for us? Well, the New Testament gave them names. So let's look what the Bible called them. And let's actually go, uh, go back there. And I want to take us to, to Galatians chapter 5. And Galatians chapter 5 gives us this name. And here we see, I asked him to put it up for me. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 19, we actually see, would everybody read with me? Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lulletness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousies, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambition, and dissensions and heresies. Actually, that is what the tree of good and evil look like. Here we see the actual fruit of it. Then it says envy, murderers. Oh, I don't kill anybody. Oh, really? The Bible says if you are angry with your brother, it's as good as murder. Drunkenness, revelries, and the like, of which I tell you beforehand, just as I told you in time past, that those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. We won't dare starting here a conversation about once saved, forever saved. But that is what the Bible gives the names of the tree of good and evil. And if we walk in the fear of the Lord, you will start thinking before you react. Your life in Christ will be, am I back to this or am I back to something else? Now we see but the fruits of the Spirit, which is the tree of Christ, is the Spirit of love. Joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, and faithfulness. So the New Testament gives us exactly what the tree of good and evil was all about. Now, I'm not going to go into all the detail, but just in closing, let's just look a little bit in the Word of God. Now, we all know the story of, actually, we all know, and I'm just going to touch on that, we all know the story of King Saul. In 1 Samuel chapter 13, we all know how he disobeyed God, how he compromised. He was a king. He had exactly the same situation. The enemies, the Philistines was attacking him. We know how he actually compromised in that time because he actually lacked the fear of God. You know what, people? It's not so much about sin. It's not so much of us just calling this sin and that sin and this sin and that sin. That's only the fruit of the lack of the fear of God. We can call all kinds of names here today of the fear of the Lord. But what has made me what I am today is not my intercession. It's not my crusades. It's not the signs and the miracles. It's not me spending the hours in the prayer room. It's not even me traveling all across the world. What made me was the awareness I am before the Lord all the time. And that marked my reactions, the way I speak, the way I act, the way I deal with God's money, the way I deal in conduct, 
the way I deal with temptations, the way I deal with upsetting things, man. Anything got marked by the fear of the Lord. That is the most important thing in the life of Zezetatan. Because that is what grew my prayer life. That grew my, my actions, my conduct. I am not thinking now, I am with the fruits of the Spirit and long-suffering and all of that. That comes automatically. But when I deal with the tree of good and evil where I stand, where Satan still come with the same temptations like he did with Eve. It's the fear of the Lord that mark our lives. So Samuel, we see here that King Saul in 1 Samuel 13 lacked the fear of God. I don't even want to go in all those details. I can go, we can go to the lack of the fear of God. Yeah, we can go through different ones in the Word of God, but we can focus on all this negativeness. I prefer to focus on a man that I highly honor and respect in the Word of God. Hope to one day talk to him, and that is King Jehoshaphat. King Jehoshaphat taught me more about the fear of God than any other scripture in the Bible. King Jehoshaphat in 2 Chronicles 20 from verse 1 to 30, please read it tonight. You see a man that was just as much confronted by the enemy, just like King Saul. And here is a man that when he was threatened, what did he do? He grabbed the letter. He ran to the house of God. He laid out before God. He brought it back to God. His reaction was at the right place. Number two, he called his whole people in the light of danger. He called the whole nation and all the leaders into a fast. I like it. He's my kind of a man. Mandatory, everybody come and fast and pray for us. And everybody had to come and humble themselves before the Lord and humble themselves in the fear of the Lord and cry out to God. And then we see a man who went about, he went straight to the Lord. He called the fast mandatory. He called those strong warriors into the battle. He never called and says, let's see how many chariots we've got, how strong you are, what mighty men of valor you are, how you can use and actually use your left hand and your right hand and split the hair, you man of valor. He says, let's worship and make God our prayer partner. God, our prayer partner? Yes, you're right. Because the moment you start worshiping God, you actually into Psalm 22, where God inhabit the praises of his people. So if you start praying, let me tell you something, people, of a person that trained prayer all over the world to millions. Prayer, worship is the highest form of prayer. Worship is the expression of your spirit. Worship is the best tool against pride. Why? Because if you really worship, you will see who you are before the Lord. I'm coming to a close. We see what strategy this man followed. He was a king, the greatest king in the Bible, a man of honor. In the Old Testament, we see that in the New Testament. I'm closing. I want to take Psalm, uh, Proverbs 24, verse 4, please. Would you put it up for me? This is the reward of the fear of the Lord. By knowledge, the rooms are filled with all precious and pleasant riches. 
I don't know which translation you've got there, but it says here, by humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor in life. By humility and the fear of the Lord are all riches. So let's walk back one more time to the garden, will you? You stand before a tree. Which tree? Which tree are we standing before? What are the fruits in our life? Because that is what makes you a man and a woman of God. Not our sermons, not our miracles. What do we really reflect? What do we really show? What do people see? Which tree are you standing by? Would you walk with me to the tree? I am of Christ. I stand at the tree of life. Which fruits are in your life? By the fear of the Lord. When I die, I go to Jesus. I don't want to be known as a woman of prayer, although I pray many hours and many days. I don't want to know as a woman of God that fast a lot, although we fast a lot. I don't even want to know as an evangelist. I don't want to know, be known as a woman that trained people into prayer. I'm not interested in that. There's one thing I want. I want to be a friend of God that walk in the fear of the Lord. Because that controlled all conduct 24 out of the 24 hours. That stopped men from looking at pornography. That stopped people from taking God's money. That stopped the lie to impress people. That stopped the conduct of trying to pretend. That stopped everything else that's not real. Because Christ in you, the hope of glory, will walk by the fear of the Lord. That stops sexual conduct. That will stop that. Like in Malta, when I preached and I suddenly stopped and I said, there's a leader here that went yesterday to a prostitute with the name Monica. And you could hear a pin drop. 800 leaders. And I stopped. And I said, we stop preaching. We make an altar call for spiritual, sexual sin. we lost the fear of God. You are before the Lord. Would you raise your hands? Lord, we are before you. The eyes of the Lord sees everything. You know every conduct, every word, every thought, every action. Psalm 139 says, Where shall we flee from your spirit, O God? 
Lord, you know every one of us here. You know, there's two men that sit here that are addicted to pornography. Lord, as if you don't, your spirit don't see, I pray for them today. My Lord, may we stand before you with clean hands and a pure heart. For you said, those will stand in my holy hill in Jesus' name. I just feel this is a very holy moment. Uh, I'd like you just to lift your hands for just a few minutes. And I need to wrap up some business. But just lift up your hands uh, this uh, morning. Father, we invite the spirit of the fear of the Lord. We ask you to put the fear of God in our hearts. Forgive us for the many times we violated, Lord. Violated the law. We violated, Lord, what you have written, the statutes. The Bible says that the law of the Lord is perfect, converting the soul. The testimonies of the Lord are sure, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are right and true. More to be desired are they than gold. Yeah, more than fine gold, sweeter also than the honey and the honeycomb. For by them thy servant is warned, and in keeping them there is great reward. Cleanse us from our, uh, from our, our, our wicked ways, O God. Who can understand his errors? Cleanse me from secret faults. Keep me also from presumptuous sins. Then I will be blameless. Then I will be innocent of great transgressions. Father, we stand before you today and we ask you, forgive us our sins. Forgive us our sins. Wash us with the blood, Lord. Wash us with the blood, Lord. Pardon us, Lord. Pardon us, Lord. For the times we violated the Lord of the Lord. Forgive us, Lord. And clean us up, Lord. Clean this church, Lord. Make us a holy people, Lord. You know the prayer, Lord, that we've cried out many, many times, Lord, that no matter what we have done, Lord, one of the, the greatest thing that we want to be is that Cornerstone would be a holy people, Lord a holy and separated people for you, Lord. Put the fear of God in us. Put the fear of God in us. Put the fear of God in us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.